Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to the Golly Dating 101 podcast. We have a special guest, um, the lady of the hour. Um, I'm not sure if you know of her yet, but if you don't, you are going to know now. Lady Kate Warman, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Tavares, woo-woo, pumped to be here. <laughs> I'm, super, I'm super salty. I couldn't get Safa on to interview you. Y'all know it's real fun, you know, but we met, we managed to meet Kate last year. Um, she gave us the opportunity to speak at her conference. She has an awesome podcast. I definitely stole at least five ideas from her podcast already. <laughs> Oh, so in case I never told her before, now she knows. Uh, you know what? We have to learn from each other. That's how we do it over here, you know? <laughs> so if you enjoy our podcast, you're definitely going to love Heart of Dating. Or maybe you follow Heart of Dating and you didn't know that this was her all along. So, Kate, thank you again for joining us. Yeah. Um, we have a bit of a heavy topic that we want to talk about. And this is something Safa and I stayed clear of because we didn't have too much experience on it, but we have someone that's willing to be vulnerable, open about her story. So today we're going to be talking about abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we won't do too much details, but we'll give you enough for you to understand <laughs> abuse, yeah. betrayal, and finding healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know many people listening, you're in that season right now. You're, mm-hmm. you're probably trying to figure out if this is, relationship is worth it. You're trying to figure out why God may have allowed it. You know, you may be in a lot of those scenarios, but uh, yeah, look before, look before, where are my manners? Before we do that, Kate, do you have anything you want to say to the people or introduce yourself or quick testimony or something to show so we know who you are? Yeah, Tavares, thanks for having me. I'm so excited and honored to speak on this topic. It's super tender. So yeah, I want to give that trigger warning to anybody too, just I will share a little bit of my story. So just if that, if you're really sensitive to that right now, anything to do with abuse, just want to let you know that before I start talking about it. Uh, but I'm so thankful to be here. I mean, I will just, I'm a dating coach. I run hard of dating as Tavara said, it's such an honor and a privilege to walk through single, like walk with singles. And actually I am also single. So it's kind of fun and interesting to be doing this alongside of everyone. Uh, Just a quick testimony. We will share more today, but my story has a lot to do with dating. I'm 31 right now. I started dating around the age of 14, (laughs) dated for 10 years back to back. Don't know why, honestly, my parents were like, letting me date at 14, (laughs) it's fine. But like, I'm looking back, I'm like, okay, first of all, wait, what? Anywho, so I was dating at the age of 14 to 24. And in those first 10 years of like dating, I dated nonstop, back to back, all sorts of relationships. When I was between the ages of 15 and 16, I had quote unquote, using air quotes here, 16 boyfriends. Uh, that was, you know, we just flew through them that year. And then I went into <laughs> like boyfriends, quote unquote, right? Uh, and then I was in a long relationship. Most of it was long distance. I've been set up. I've gone on blind dates. I've dated non-Christians. This is a, There was a whole slew of things. And the end of that 10-year stint actually ended in me in a, a two and a half year relationship that was incredibly abusive. I had never been in an abusive relationship before. And so I've been in lots of relationships, never dealt with that. And so it was really eye-opening for me. And so that was two and a half years of abuse ranging from emotional abuse to sexual abuse to physical abuse, um, all of the kinds of abuse and plenty of betrayal in that two and a half years. And you may ask why I stayed for two and a half years. We'll totally get into that, I'm sure, because uh, that's a question a lot of people are wondering. And it needs to be normalized why it's easy to stay in toxic relationships like that. Uh, after that, I was in a very low place. I would venture to say I hated myself. Uh Maybe I didn't say that out loud, but internally, I hated all parts of myself. I thought I was ugly from the inside out. I didn't like the way I talked. I didn't like the way I looked. I just berated myself and I felt really low. And that also was compounded by my abuser gaslighting me, telling me I was crazy, telling me I was wrong, um, never validating my feelings ever. And so I was left in a place where I just did not know who I was. And it left me so heartbroken and so low that I had to take a look in the mirror and say, wait a second, last ten, for the last 10 years, I've been dating nonstop, literally. And like, I don't even know what life is like as a single. I don't even know who Kate is outside of dating. I don't know who Kate is outside of needing a val- validation from a man. 
And it was this big awakening for me where I realized I wanted to figure out who that person was, who is Kate outside of validation, outside of relationships, outside of men. And so I went on a journey of healing, inner healing, counseling, lots of therapy, mentors, actually cutting a lot of men, even friendships out of my life, because even the male friendships were giving me little validations that I realized I needed to cleanse my heart of any male validation and connection at that time. So I went on a journey of healing, really hard journey. And then years later, felt ready to date in a new way. So Tavares, I won't go into all those details, but today I stand before you, uh, sit before you on this interview, I guess. And, you know, that journey of healing, I would never wish to go through something abusive again, such as I did in that relationship. But I can see so much how that led me into depths of healing that I needed in my life. I got to reveal and get closer to myself, get closer to the Lord, understand more of who he says I am, who he has called me to be. And in ways I needed that time of healing. I needed that time of deconstructing and reconstructing who God is, who I was. And it's not a one-step process. It's a total process, which means it takes a while and keeps coming up. But this is, I think a lot of that has led me to be able to talk to you today about the subject and even have the healing and the courage to sit before you and share some of these darkest things in my life. What an intro, y'all. <laughs> I told you we couldn't address this. Um, so yes, definitely going to be a vulnerable episode. So like she mentioned, trigger warning, if you're not, you know, you don't feel ready to hear it. You know, if you want to listen to this some weeks from now, we understand we get it, but we know a lot of people are in the scenario. We definitely hope that, um, you know, Kate's story, you know, can reach them. So I guess how I want to start it off is by saying, you know, you started off dating around, you, I think, believe you said like 14. Um, yeah. So around 14, we have a lot of followers that are around 14. <laughs> so maybe this oh, will wow. help them as well. Okay. Um, so my question is, do you think that's a wise thing to date that young? Let's just start there. Yeah. You know, for me, I was... I wouldn't necessarily say it was healthy for me to date at that age because I had an unhealthy relationship with needing male validation. Okay. And so I think if my parents were more in tune with me as a girl blossoming into a woman, they would understand that that wasn't healthy for me. Uh, and they would have helped me to understand more about who I was as a woman, not needing guys in my life. My family knew, my parents knew from a young age, I was quote unquote boy crazy, okay? So like, I would say, you know, I'm not gonna blame my parents at all. I think they did the very best that they could, but yeah. I know in my tendencies and my um, habits and needing validation from guys, that was not the best for me to be dating at that age at all. <laughs> it just perpetuated Definitely. needing to fill something in my heart that I really should have been getting from God, you know? Uh, but that insert the fact, Tavares, that like my parents weren't really good examples of that, you know, mm -hmm. per se. And so they were doing the best that I can. So those were the cards I was dealt. Uh, I don't, I think a lot of dating at that age also has to do with your parents, you know, and how your, your familial dynamic. So no shame over that if you're listening. Uh, but I want to also empower people who are that young, that it is so important to know yourself yeah. and to be so rooted and grounded in who you are. Yeah, I think that's a good thing you mentioned. Um, because it's not even just the 14 year old that's listening It's also the 30 year old that never dealt with the issues they saw in their parents, you know? Yes, so you yeah. saw the patterns of maybe one parent being abusive, one parent, you know, cheating or one parent turning alcohol or whatever it was, anytime there was a problem, you never learned how to handle conflict. You never learned what was true love and what was actually abuse, you know? So I think a lot of us, we had the wrong idea. And unfortunately, sometimes we end up getting married and bringing that into marriage and more yes. problems and it literally can repeat the entire pattern. So I definitely think that's a, a wise thing you said, um, because like a lot of times I believe, um, I heard it this way put recently as well, but I, I, I've heard preachers over the years, they would say things like the way you view your parents or the way you view your earthly dad, you know, can be contaminated. The way you view God can be contaminated because of your walk with your personal dad, you know, because if you had a dad that was yeah. abusive or you never, you never could turn to him in your moments of weakness, then how do you turn to God, you know, who you can't see, you know, yes, so it's definitely exactly. important. I, I will, we'll definitely let you dive into that um, later, but that's, I, I believe that was a great way to start it off. So um, for someone who isn't that young, but they're 20 something, 30 something, maybe even 40 and they're recreational dating, like 
one person behind another, one person behind another. Um, would you say that, you know, that's a safe thing to do, you know, as long as they're not with somebody that's abusive or is that something you still advise against or, you know, what's your thoughts on just casually dating constantly? Yeah, I think it all comes back to your intentions. And this comes back to needing self-awareness. Like I am a person now, I'm 31, very self-aware and I date often. And if a guy asked me out this week, I'd be like, sure. If a guy asked me out next week, I would say sure to a first date, maybe a second date, but I know myself now and I am checking my intentions, if that makes sense. So it really, you have to, I want to just lay out instead of saying like, this or that, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't. I want to just put the ownership on the individual listening to say, you need to check in with your heart and your intentions. And I don't know what your intentions are, but Mm -hmm. if you're constantly dating and it's leaving you feeling empty and you're feeling like you're seeking needs from this person that you're not seeking from God or that you have to date because then you will feel validated, desired, chosen. Like if you, if that's your intention underneath the surface, you may be not saying that out loud, but if you and your heart know that to be true and you're constantly leaving relationships or those situations feeling destroyed, there's some sort of heart misalignment there that needs to be checked out. You are unhealthily attaching to these individuals, putting your identity into these people and looking for needs that these people cannot fill at the end of the day. They're imperfect people. And we need to be going to the Lord to get those needs met. We need to be taking care of ourselves. So the ownership is you have to check your own intentions. I am okay with people dating, um, casually dating. That's like a, I don't know about that term necessarily. I would just say you be open to dating. Um, I think we put a lot of pressure on a first date. Don't do that. Just, okay. I'm meeting another brother in Christ or sister in Christ. Cool. I want to steward this. Well, be curious. Do I need to know if they're my spouse? No. But are you doing that repetitively? Are you on a dating app because you need that validation? Or are you on a dating app because it's an awesome way to expand your reach to meet more people? Only you will know that true intention in your heart. Definitely understand. Yeah, perfect way to put it. Um, And I don't, I would hate for people to think I'm putting it in a black and white way. So I definitely think you you drove it right, um, the Mm -hmm. right direction. Make sure you're checking your heart and the motive behind why you're doing it because motives are everything, you know? Um, So- to get into the meat of what we're really here about, you know, you mentioned, you know, abusive relationships. So my thing is, how do you spot that in a relationship? At what point did you realize, yeah, this is probably not healthy, you know, at what, what was the thing or what, what can someone else do in order for them to realize like, oh, this may not be, you know, so. Yeah. So Abusive people at first, I just want to normalize the fact that if you are in an abusive situation or have been, um, first and foremost, victims of abuse come in all shapes and sizes. I think there's a stereotype really weak and who seems frail and who just, that isn't the necessary, that's not exactly the identity necessarily of a victim. And I just want to normalize that because there's a lot of people that feel shame thinking like, well, like, that shouldn't be me. I should know better. You know, we, we shame ourselves because in other parts of our lives, we're doing like, we are living a full life. Like, so for example, the time in my life, when I landed in an abusive relationship, I was killing it in my career. I lived in New York city. I was just, I was thriving in that way. Right. And I had rich friendships and I was just a person. I I had my, those elements in my life, quote unquote together. Uh, and so nobody behind closed doors would have thought that I was in an abusive situation. So I just want to normalize the fact that it comes in various shapes and sizes and can happen literally to anybody. Um, and so some signs of abuse, um, at first it can be hard to spot at first an abuser is very charming and they're probably going to seem exciting and they're probably going to lure you in in some way shape or form and that's one of the abuse tactics whether they're con- some abusers are consciously doing it some are not because they just have so much brokenness in their life that it's just a cycle they're used to maybe that was happening in their own familiar life so they've grown to be used to that and they've become abusers themselves or manipulative themselves but some people more narcissistic type of abusers they're like they know what they're doing so there's a lot of different kinds of 
of abusers as well. One sign of an abuser or just somebody, here's just a few red flags. I would say if somebody off the bat, they, the abusers at the beginning seem very charming. And one thing they like to do is really lure you in with like a lot of amazing words and a lot of love bombing. And so if you are with somebody who is just off the bat singing your praises, telling you that they're, you're their future wife, basically saying like all the quote unquote things you want to hear, uh, I would definitely take a moment to say this could be a moment of pause. Yeah. And it, because what happens with love bombing, it's just you're throwing, they're throwing love bombs at you. And that feels good. I mean, it feels validating. It feels nice, especially if that's not something you've heard a lot from a male person, or if that's really something you've been single for a long time, you've been waiting for somebody to say something like that to you. Uh, but here's a reality. If you see the flip side, they don't really know you yet. <laughs> so that is not that those words are not safe. They can't truly be trusted yet. The thing I've had to realize is I latched on to when somebody said all these amazing things about me right off the bat, um, and especially if it was consistent, because I was like, oh, that's, what, that's what I really want. That's what my soul wants to hear. But if you can step out of it, I could actually see, wait a second, they don't really know me. They don't, they've not, they haven't even seen a bad side of me yet. They don't know the ins and outs of my heart and my soul. And so those words of how incredible I am and how they see a life with me after just in the beginning, that isn't to be trusted until they've seen you through time. And you want someone to say beautiful words to you, but when they've known you, you know, when there is a level of trust in the relationship. So if there's a lot of love bombing off the bat, I would absolutely pay attention to that. <laughs> a few other signs of a person who's just toxic. I would definitely see off the bat, are they a growth-minded person or a fixed-minded person? I'm not going to say fixed-minded people are all abusers. Definitely not. But a growth-minded person is more likely going to be somebody who's open to being humble and to changing. Right. And this is key with the growth-minded thing is that they could say, they can pretend to be growth-minded. What you also want to watch for is they are they actually taking action in that in, in their life? So uh, somebody can say like, yeah, I read podcasts or I read books. I listen to podcasts. Oh yeah, I do my devotionals. I mean, there are, I mean, we have just say it right now, Tavares, like my abuser worked at a big church at the time. And so he was Christian going in, doing the whole thing every week, was in a men's group. And he was an abuser. So just because they go to church, just because they walk the walk, you need to see what are the fruits of their life. Are they actually humble in heart? Are they actually walking out the fruits of the spirit? Are they actually growth minded? Big test of this. If you have something that upsets you, and this is where I'm going to get into gaslighting. If you have something that upsets you, if you have something that um, you is a need, Okay. So either something that upset you that they did or a need that you'd like to present, you need to watch how they respond. This is so important. If their immediate response is defense, discounting, uh, deflecting, and not hearing you at all, that is a yellow flag. Absolutely. Uh, now, have I been defensive in my life? Yes, absolutely. I have. So, you know, everyone has a propensity to sometimes be defensive. Okay. Especially based on how you're framing it up. Like if I'm framing it up to that person, like an attack, like you suck and you never do this and you're just the worst. Well, that's framing up for that person to be defensive. So you have, <laughs> but if you are gently being like, Hey, you know, when you said this, it really made me feel just unseen and I felt disconnected and um, yeah, it just hurt my feelings. If you present it softly like that, for example, and their instant thing is to be like, oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, what that bothered you? Oh my gosh, you're crazy. You're too dramatic. Woo. Y'all we got a problem. <laughs> okay. And that if that happens once, okay, pay attention. If that happens more than once and it's a continual thing, this is a major red flag. Okay. Because that turns into somebody being a gaslighter and a gaslight and gaslighting is a major sign of a, that's an abuser tactic. Yeah. Gaslighting is a tactic to discount you, to trivialize what you're saying, to deflect. And what happens in the process of gaslighting over time is you start discounting anything you're feeling. You start not being able to trust yourself. Because think about it. I bring to this person an actual fact. Hey, you did this. It made me feel this way. And they're like, nope, you're crazy. Nope. I'm not taking ownership of that. You, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. You do. Over time, 
even though me saying it right now probably is like, whoa, that's nuts. Just walk away. No, if you're in a, if you're dating someone, you care about this person and that's happening. You start getting confused. You're like, what? Oh my gosh. Like, am I wrong? Is that, am I making it too big of a deal of this? Am I being dramatic? And then you start discounting. You're like, okay, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But, but deep down in your heart, you don't feel heard. You feel totally unseen and it's confusing and discombobulating. And then you're like, huh, can I, is that really a big deal? Maybe that need doesn't matter. You start discounting your needs over time. You stop trusting yourself and you start thinking you you're like, is this, you know, does this really matter? Does it not really matter? And this is the process of gaslighting. Right after they do that, gaslighting is a tool for control, right? Usually after they see that they have control over you, your defenses are back down. You're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like, maybe I shouldn't have said it. You're bringing a need or a concern to them. And then you end up apologizing for it. (laughs) And you're like so confused. And then they swoop in as the comforter. They're like, oh, it's okay. I love you so much. You mean so much to me. I love our relationship. They swoop in with love and affection. And now they're saying all the things your heart wants to hear. And you're like, but they're so wonderful. Oh my gosh. They, they do care about me. Okay. Like they do care. So can you see how this is just mind warping, um, and done enough of a time without an awareness of it and without calling it out to that person, you get warped into what I call the abuse cycle. And it is just so hard. And it really feels to like a drug. I mean, to be honest, it's like you become addicted to a drug, something that you know, when, when there's a lash out, whether it's an emotional lash out, a physical lash out, you know, that is so painful for you. But then after that lash out, it's usually followed with some sort of apology, maybe depending on their level of narcissism, potentially an apology, then it goes into love and affection and like, I love you. And maybe they'll plan a date night and you're like, oh my gosh, see everything's so great. But they, it's all a tactic of control. They see yeah. that you're like back into their arms and they're like, yeah, okay, we got them. And then it'll eventually lead up to yet another attack, whether it's an emotional attack, sexual, physical, whatever. Uh, kind of got on my tangent of gaslighting, but that is a huge thing. So watch how they are in conflict. When you bring up your needs, when you bring up a concern, watch that is like one of the biggest areas that um, I just want to flag for people right now, because it, it I, I was not aware of this. <laughs> and, and it, it really got me stuck for two and a half years. Uh, and I got latched onto him through codependency. Gosh, I could go on and on. So you tell me when to pause. <laughs> no, you're fine. Trust me. That's so good. Um, because we released the episode a long time ago, episode 16, about emotional manipulation. But we mm. never dove into all of this, you know, because yeah. I didn't realize how common it actually was. So I didn't realize, oh, you should talk about that. But clearly, gaslighting is something that can easily happen without you even noticing. And I think yes. a lot of times, like you mentioned previously, Um, This thing can really start in childhood because if you come from a family where you don't feel heard, you feel as though you voice your opinions and your parents look at it like it's irrelevant or you're you're the youngest sibling or maybe they didn't, you know, hear you now when the person you're dating uh, is no big deal. You just have a pattern of, you know, feeling unheard or unseen. So it's just a matter of maybe, maybe I'm overthinking, maybe I'm too emotional. Um, And it's so easy that I think it's easy for us to see it when someone is like a high level narcissist. But I realized I did that before because I remember one time when, you know, I thought, you know, Safa Brent brought a complaint to me and I'm looking like, you're overthinking, you know what I mean? And I completely shut it down. But I realized how that went in her, like you could see she's looking like, no, I really brought a concern to you, you know, so I had to yeah. apologize and realize like, even if I don't think I see it, I have to realize that I can be guilty of this, you know, so I, that's something I've definitely found myself guilty of, you know, and whereas even when I feel as though uh, maybe she's overthinking because she spotted something, well, people don't spot out, people don't mention their issues because they're bored, they're mentioning it because something may have offended them, you know, yeah. so if that person doesn't see the need to, oh, I'm sorry, and actually change, because apologizing with no change behavior is a manipulation, you know, mm-hmm. just saying, oh, I'm sorry, plan a, bl- a date night, and then they go back to mistreating you, that's manipulation, you know, yeah. so that's definitely key, um, because I feel as though this can happen, because um, I definitely found myself doing it before, like I just said, but if they're not willing to change when you spot out an error, then that's a huge red flag that this person is, you know, conceited, narcissist, you're basically living in their world on their terms, and 
no one wants to feel tolerated. You know what I mean? You want to be appreciated and valued. And I think that's the main key. Um, I don't want anyone to, to know. I'm sorry. What? Oh, no, no, no. That's yeah. And I was just going to add to that as well. When you are in these scenarios, um, it's just so important. They at least hear you right when you're on the other hand, like, it's really like me sharing a concern or a need. I really just that's my cry to be heard. Will you hear me? Like, will you just even if you don't understand, would you take a second to just pause and seek to understand, you know, and I think that's important. I mean, I'm not, we are, it comes down to the fruits of the spirit of self-control and patience. Like I may, this person, so I've been in relationships too, where maybe a guy was like, Hey, you did this and made me feel this way. And my initial inclination was to be like, what? You're being emotional. (laughs) You know, like there's been definitely been those moments, but I'm like, okay, Maybe I just need to, I don't understand clearly. I don't, I can't see it right now. Um, maybe I have a blind spot here or maybe there's something that's like, this is hard for them because of something they've been through. Mm-hmm. I care about them. I, I care about their story, about what's happened to them, the unique DNA, DNA of their personhood. And I want to enter into that space with them and just empathy and seeking to understand can be so healing and it's hard to do, you know, it's hard to do based on all of our unique like triggers uh, because maybe them saying something to me about their need or their hurt triggers me. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. This isn't about me. They're bringing something up. Let me seek to understand. I don't need to respond in defense right now. Let me just seek to understand and enter their world for a second. Uh, And, but my point is with the abusers is that they're rarely going to do that. And if they do do it for a second, uh, you need to pay attention to just their actions over time. If they, if they quote unquote, actually listen to you, but they never, like shift that and they just consistently it's like a problem like you just said to ours like that's the pro that's that's where the red flag comes into play right. some people are more outright like gaslighters and some of it is a little more subtle and they're just a fixed mindset that they just will not change they will not take action in their life and that also is a toxic or an unhealthy person so there's kind of like the layers there's like an abuser and then there's like toxic people unhealthy people you know like there it's there's definitely a scale and so i don't like labeling people as just you're an abuser or you're fully a narcissist. I think sometimes a lot of us have characteristics of I can dabble sometimes into manipulation without knowing it. And I have to own that and be like, Oh, okay. I just stepped into those waters. I'm going to take ownership of that. Right. That was a little bit of my unhealth of my past triggers coming out. And I need to, I just need to really look at that. But the point is there, the ownership, the willingness to change the growth mindset. Does that person actually have that? Here's a quick note. What happens often in an abusive relationship is you become in a codependent situation. You so desperately want that person to love you. You so desperately want them to um, change the things about themselves that are hurting you. Uh, And you make it your mission to like consistently try to voice it consistently. And you are latching onto their ability to love you well. Latching onto their ability to change or to really love you well will only seek to destroy you. It really will uh, because you are putting your identity into their ability to uh, their humanness, right? And that is not where we put our identity in somebody else's humanness. And like abusers, abusers love codependency. They are also codependent because they get their validation from having control over you. So their validation comes from being able to control you and to see that and to have the power over you. So they're codependent as well. Um, So you're both codependent, but it is just so, I mean, for me in that abusive relationship, I felt so drained just because I would get these hits of dopamine when he would, we would go on a date and he would be loving and he would say the right things and he would show up and I'd be like, finally, finally, finally. And then it would go back to the gaslighting. It would go back to him cheating on me. It'd go back. And I was like, I, I would be in a tailspin. Like what's wrong with me? Why won't he ever change for me? Please. Like, will you do this? Like it's make, it's hurting me so bad. I'm trying to convince him constantly that I'm worth it. And you cannot convince somebody that you are worthy. You cannot convince somebody to change and it will make you go nuts trying to do so. And it is so hard. And so I want to just take a moment to say, if that's you in this place, there's no shame for it, but I want you to know that no matter what, you cannot make them change. You cannot make them want to start treating you better. The only thing you can do is walk away. Man, um, 
I'm so mad. Like you took like three questions. You answered it all right there. <laughs> um, can you change them? You know, that's one thing I really wanted you to yes. address because I feel as though a lot of people think they can. And that's yes. a dangerous game. I think that's a dangerous game because there are a lot of people that do change, but I don't believe that they change because of you. It was yes. God's way to work. And a lot of times we try to force that, um, you know, because it's our, my parents' testimony, you know, I don't, I don't mind sharing. I know it's not mine, but before they got married, they weren't saved. You know, before I was born and all that, they weren't saved. You know, my dad was abusive, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of people would say, oh, well, they're not saved yet. You know, people change and don't get me wrong. He changed, but at the same time, it's not your duty. If my mom at any point decided, I'm not going to see where this goes and she just yeah. left, then, you know, I wouldn't have been here. I get that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that she, all right, I, I think I'm a blessing on earth, I guess. So I know it's God's will, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to make it seem as though children from abuse are, you know, any of those type of things that it wasn't yeah. God's plan or any of that. But I just want women to understand that you don't have to say, oh, I'm just going to wait until things get better. I, I hate that people no. get the impression that they have to wait and try to fix people, especially our ladies like your God's plan is not for you to get a project. Yes. He doesn't want you to find some mm-hmm. guy who's terrible doesn't valid doesn't value you doesn't appreciate you and then you hope he turns into a godly man and caring and loving and and the fellas as well like if she mistreats you or she disrespects you any of that it does not matter how beautiful she is it's not your duty to say oh, i'm gonna mm-hmm. make sure it gets fixed you know if you feel as though you have to go because you see this behavior is inappropriate then making an excuse is not you know it's not worth it i don't believe that anything is worth it when it pulls you away from God, it pulls you away from who you are, who he's called you to be. Because like you mentioned, you yes. question your purpose, you question who you are, you question your yes. beauty, you question, well, am I anything outside of this person? And then the moment you feel validation, it's only when they praise you. And that shows that that yes. is a huge red flag. Um, and then another couple of things I was going to ask that you, you already mentioned was, could you, um, could that abusive person be in church? Because I think a lot of times, a lot of people think just because someone is in church that they're perfect fit. Ah, they're speaking in tongues. Oh, I found my spouse. No, that's not how this works. You know, no, it's not how this works. Y'all need to see character as well. A lot of times we overlook it because of their position. And a lot of people fall in love with the titles and all these things, but it doesn't matter. You know, God said, Paul mentioned that if you don't have love in God's ears, you're just banging symbols. You you know, God is not looking at a true Christian. You know, so a lot of times I think we need to address that. And uh, yeah, um, you briefly mentioned it, but if you if you don't mind, I guess a specific answer on what made it easy for you to stay. So I know you kind of touched on it here and there, but what made it easy for you to stay in that type of relationship? So it was mainly the codependency. I was so here's where I just want to empower the people listening without shame to make you understand that I totally get it. And that this is hard. My therapist described the abuse cycle to me as a drug where you know that it is probably the worst thing for you, but it is so hard to get away from. And so what do you have to do? If you're an addict, you have to get away from that substance and remove it from your life entirely in order to truly heal from the addiction. And the abuse cycle can be addicting because you get highs and lows and all the in-betweens and often times, if this also is very representative of things you dealt with in your childhood, it can seem very normal to you to have those up and downs, seeking the love and validation, not getting it, trying again, getting little glimmers of it. Okay. You have something to hold on to. I got a crumb. And so you, it's very easy to latch on to the same cycles we've repeated in our, like we've, that have been repeated to us from our childhood till now. And so It was easy for me to stay in the sense of I just was so fixated on helping and seeing the best in him. And that's, I think, a Christian thing I want to address is that we, for better or for worse, we, we want to see the best in people. And we, we think every single person deserves a chance to change. And I want to just say like, yes, that's great. Amazing. But as you just said, Tavares, and the thing that I needed to know was I was not going to be the savior. <laughs> God is the only one who can save that him. Right. Yeah. And in fact, me latching myself to him continuously was only depleting me entirely. Um, so 
I actually think that Christians can become very codependent because we're like, love your neighbor, give people opportunities, love everybody. I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, but not if it's taking you away from your God-given purpose, right. because actually that's unbiblical. Like that is then a distraction that's taking you away from what God truly created you to do on this earth. And your, your passion project is not making them change. <laughs> you cannot make them change. That is <laughs> all, you cannot do it. And yeah. so here's just some advice that I wish I had known and wish I had sought deeper into. So in the Proverbs, it addressed three, it addresses three different kinds of people. It addresses the wise, the foolish, and the wicked. And basically, so wise people who are the wise people continually show you that they're willing to be humble, yeah. to learn and to grow that, that growth minded we're talking about. Foolish people are often full of excuses and blame, and they often make the same mistakes over and over, and they rarely hear you out. That's the gaslighting. Hello. And then wicked people are, you know, that's the top end of the spectrum of abusers. They're just evil. They are toxic in nature. They're very destructive. And the Bible instructs us, instructs us to flee from them at all costs. Yeah. So when you are thinking about the person you are dealing with, honestly, truthfully, which kind of person are they? And you need to look at the fruit in their life. Look at the character. Are they a wise person? If they're a wise person, you will see that they humble themselves mm -hmm. and take action through time. They go to therapy if they need to. They get into that men's group. They take action to actually work on this. And you see it through time. That's a wise person. And a lot of us get stuck on the foolish person. The foolish person is the one who is like, just maybe sometimes they're like, yeah, sure. Um, that's all, like, I'll do some of that, but they never actually take the action yeah. or they're constantly being defensive and they make a really good case for themselves so much so that you start believing it, the gaslighting thing, right? Are they a foolish person? Are they doing to that to you constantly? Are they never listening to you? And then obviously if they're just straight up wicked, are they just showing characteristics of destruction, wreaking havoc? Like if you are dealing with a foolish person or a wicked person, you need to walk away. That is the absolute truth. Um, they need healing. This is honestly not even to do with you. This is their trauma, things that have happened in their life. And I have compassion for abusers because they've become an abuser because of so much brokenness in their life and in their childhood. Um, and maybe you're a person like me who is very compassionate and maybe you see that. That's awesome. This is the number one thing you can do for them. Pray for them and walk away. Pray yeah. for them and walk away. Prayer is going to be your biggest thing. You can only pray for them, but you, but staying with them is going to bring you down. And so it was easy because I clung on to him. I, I saw his, like the glimmers of hope within this guy. I had a lot of compassion for his story. He opened up to me about things that he had never told anyone. So I was like, oh my gosh, he's sharing with me. And like, that's really sacred, right? Oh my gosh, he shared things with me that no one shared before. Oh, I totally see why he's kind of this way. Oh my gosh, he told me he one night, ha he was overcome with the demonic dreams. Oh my gosh, I have compassion. That must be really hard. Oh my gosh. My compassion overwhelmed me so much that I didn't see that he was never actually willing to change. The best thing I could have done for myself, cut ties and walk away. But I want to also caveat this, Tavares, that it's not easy. And if you've been in an abuse, you need help. You need people around you. You need to talk to somebody. Um, you need safe people because... It's not just when you get into that place, you pre you feel pretty poor about yourself, to be honest, and you need other people and a support system that, is, that are going to help you through this as well. Whew. <laughs> but one thing you mentioned was how yeah. your counselor, your therapist was letting you know that you need to cut off that communication. Yes. So while you guys are still listening, I want to give a shout out to BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a resource that I'm telling you guys about because I don't believe that Christians prioritize their mental health. You know, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be able to connect in a safe and private online environment. Your counselor can be contacted at any time. Also, you can set up a phone or a video call, whichever you may desire. So like you've heard from Kate, you know, many of you are in similar situations or you may be struggling with some type of depression, stress or anxiety, you know, some type of trauma. Maybe you're being abused or you're the abuser and you know this is something that you need to work on. BetterHelp is a resource that can guide you. In fact, many people have been using BetterHelp, so they've been recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And so if you're feeling burdened down, I want you all to have a more blessed and stress-free life. As one of our listeners, you'll get 10% off our first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash godly. 
Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash godly. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I'm glad you mentioned that because, like I just mentioned, a lot of Christians don't prioritize mental health, you know? So I think that's a a good thing that you mentioned because I I feel as though, and I know it's different in a Black church, especially I was in, you know, Jamaican church a lot growing up. You know, but I never heard anybody talking about going to therapy because if you go to therapy, then oh, I know, Kate, you're crazy. Why, why would you be at therapy? When in reality, you've been dealing with so much. You don't know how to address it properly. Many times have gone by. You may have considered yourself as the problem and you continue to project that onto the next one. And you can mm-hmm. fail. You can you can you can literally get a blessing from God and ruin it because you're not healed. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's important, you know, so I won't say things, you know, tell us about whatever took place in therapy, but. And like, how long did that take? Or, you know, or what was your approach to it? You know, were you always receptive? You know? Oh, gosh. So first of all, I'm still in therapy to this day, been probably eight years since that relationship. So I think this is a never ending process. Like I'm always a fan of therapy. You need it some seasons more than others, but I'm always at least doing once a month, a check-in with my therapist in the very least. And then in some seasons it's more than that. Uh, but it is so helpful for me to just have other eyes on situation to understand some of those blind spots that I might have. And when you develop a relationship with a therapist, they get to know you and they, they, they know how you talk, they know how you think, and they, they start to understand that. So you share just little bits and they're already being able to help you navigate how you're feeling. And it's so, so, so helpful at the beginning, but the, actually after that abusive relationship was, I believe my first introduction to therapy ever, (laughs) I'd never been in it before. And it was very tough Tavares. So she had said multiple times, like, you need to cut off all contact. And I was like, <gasps> because, you know, that was like something that I just, I still wasn't fully, I was, I had left the relationship and it took a long time. But if I'm being honest, really candid, it took me at least a year to fully get away from pretty much any contact with this person. Uh, and w- so it went through months where I like had his number block, but then I'd have a weak moment and I was in a trigger or I just was having a moment, a bad day. And it would, there would be contact there. Like I said, it's the drug that you're weaning off of. And, uh, and you really have to, I want to normalize that sometimes it can take a while, but cold Turkey, a hundred percent is the absolute best way to go. Um, so I went kicking and streaming with my therapist. I was like, I do not want to cut off all contact. She's like, this is unsafe. Like, and she kept explaining it to me as a drug. And she's like, I get it. But like, and there are, there is, um, drug use in my family line. And so I understand what that looks like. And I understand what it looks like to try to heal from that and the journey to recovery. And so I really did connect when she mentioned it, that it was kind of like a drug, but it was still, you know, that pull in your heart you have to, you've had these neural pathways now to like forming in your brain as you've been with this person for however long, or your repeating cycles that you've dealt with previous with other guys or girls or with your family. And therefore it's pretty hard to get away from it, the codependent tendencies. And so at the same time I was working for her with her, I was working with some spiritual mentors too, to really reconnect with God. I think you brought this up at the beginning Tavares, but a lot of times the way we connect with God, if we've had a um, harder, more traumatic family upbringing is how we, we see God the way we saw one of our parental figures. And so for me, I saw God as very passive. I saw God as not being very responsive. I saw God as just kind of being there, but not like somebody I could really relate to or connect to. And that's in that time I needed, I went in through, went through a lot of deep inner healing and spiritual work to really rewire my view of God and rewire my connection with God. Um, and start moving through those belief systems because I realized I, I thought every man was kind of like the love I 
would be like the love that I got from my father. And I was looking for that validation through all guys to say, there's going to be somebody who's not passive, right? There's going to be somebody who really hears me. Right. And so I was looking for that in every relationship I was in and I wasn't ever thinking that I could get that from God. So I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was, I was so like, and I'm like, and you're like wow. I'm just all in. You guys can't see my face, but man, yes. Yeah. So that's so like, good. <laughs> yeah. Therapy so, though. Yes. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Um, but you know, so you, you mentioned all those things, you mentioned your past, um, you know, but I don't want to leave people with the, the sad part, you know? So yes. the Kate they see now bubbly, you know, mm -hmm. friendliest, you know, talking about God, just, you know, loving people you know, what made you more secure in who you are? What got you to this point that, you know, obviously you're, you may not be where you want to be, you know, you're still growing. We all are, but what made you more secure in Christ or secure in yourself? You should, you would say, well, I would say, don't give up on fighting for yourself and fighting for your healing. Um, know that healing is not linear. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say eight years later that, that I never have a trigger back to my abusive season. Mm -hmm. Triggers come up. They do, but it's what we do in those moments. Today, I have learned to stop shaming myself for the trigger to say, okay, um, this is coming up right now. Um, I know why it's coming up. I can, I can see why, cause I'm of the self-awareness and the work I've done. What tool do I have now to help me through this trigger in this moment? Um, a lot of times it may not even have to do with the person I'm talking to dating, whatever it has to do from that situation. And so how can I take care of that for myself it has a lot to do with ownership and self-awareness. And I think we're constantly working on this journey to just pick up new tools to help ourselves to deal with, um, the brokenness from our past, which isn't to like, God it will use that and give you tools that will be your superpower that then you are going to be the person. Now today I have such a heart and compassion, um, to help others, to recognize abuse, to feel not alone in that, because a lot of people see me and they're like, Oh my gosh, you're so bubbly and happy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but trust me, I get the depths of your pain and you're not alone. And I still have triggers and you need to trust the process and the journey of healing and never give up on it for yourself. I think as um, disciples of Christ, as we are becoming more like Christ, as we walk in the way of Jesus, we just need to know it's a process. And there will be times that you are feeling more healed and whole and times where you're feeling a little bit sadder and more depressed and it's harder. And all of that is okay. Give yourself the grace and space for it, but continue to fight for yourself, fight for your healing, surround yourself with an incredible godly community of amazing voices that can pour into you. That is a lifeline for me. Like having those people, the safe people that know me in and out of everything. They know all my triggers. They know my story. I know their triggers, their story. We are doing life together. You need to get those people and foster those relationships. We a lot. We have a lot of surface level relationships. I love people. That's great. Get yourself people that know the depths of your soul that will keep you accountable, that will walk with you. Those are the people that when in you're in moments where that are really difficult, they're going to be the ones to link arms with you and make you feel like you are okay, that you are loved and that you can do this. So you need those people as well. Um, also don't give up on the therapy or the healing. Like I said, like, I don't think we ever arrived to some perfect version of healing, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so if you are like years out of an abusive relationship and you're like, Kate, but this still sometimes comes up. I want you to know that's okay. Yeah. It's again, just what you do with that and how you handle it and say, the more you shame yourself saying you shouldn't be acting this way, you shouldn't have that trigger, the more you actually will not conquer and heal. Yeah. So you need to have space and grace for yourself. God doesn't look at you and say, oh my gosh, you should be healed by now. <laughs> so God is saying like, I love you, my son, my daughter come into my arms. Yes. That's really hard. That was really hard. This is tough. Let's heal through that other little layer that needs to be healed again. And that you'll see over time that they don't have as much weight anymore and you can easily fly by them, but don't give up on yourself in the process. So all of that was good. But the main thing I want, I want people to hear from what you just said, mm. healing is a process. Yes. I feel as though so many of us, we're going to try to hear Kate's story and we're going to be like, man, Kate is bubbly. I should have been bubbly by now. No, no, no. It's a process. Yes. We don't know what anyone has gone through. And even if we've gone through the same exact thing, your process of healing could be way different, you know? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe it's just a matter of 
you know, staying true to the process, trusting God, the accountability that you mentioned, you know, don't give up. You know, a lot of people, they're just looking like, man, I dealt with five abusers by now. Does God hate me? You know, and a lot of people, they take that victim mentality, but you cannot allow what they did to change who you are, you know? So yeah. you definitely, you definitely left us with so much to process. So, so good. I'm very thankful for, you know, your story and very thankful to see, you know, mm. to hear where you're coming from, to see what God is doing through you now mm. is just amazing. Um, truly amazing. Um, but the day we're releasing this, you know, you just released the book two days ago. Please tell the people about your book because they need to get it. It's going to be in the description yes. box, Amazon link in the description box. I want you all to click it. Kate, tell us about the book. Yes. So it's called, thank you for rejecting me, transform pain into purpose and learn to fight for yourself. And I believe rejection is multifaceted. There's all different layers of rejection, all different ways. When I say rejection for you listening, it conjures up something. Maybe it's heartbreak. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's abandonment. Maybe it's a closed door or a failure. Um, maybe it's feeling like you don't fit in. You don't belong. Maybe it's the ways you self reject yourself, whatever it is, rejection conjures up a lot. And so my book is separated into 11 chapters of different kinds of rejection. Abuse is one of those chapters. So if you connected to this, you'll really enjoy that chapter. I also have a chapter on betrayal, but then I also go into self-rejection and we didn't get into a lot of that here today, but I believe a lot of also sometimes how we find ourselves in toxic situations can come back to what we truly believe about ourselves because we feel, we already believe lies about ourselves and somebody comes in and starts reinforcing those lies. It won't seem like a red flag as much if, because it is so natural to us already. So if we're already rejecting ourselves, believing terrible things, having some self-hatred, someone comes in and is reinforcing that it's easier for us to be like, well, that's actually kind of true. So a lot of the work we have to do also just starts with the internal self-rejection. Um, and that was a lot of my journey after that abusive relationship. Also, just a clarity factor. I named the book. Thank you for rejecting me. But I want to just make a quick, quick caveat because this is about abuse. I'm not thanking my abuser. Let's just be real. Okay. <laughs> we do not. There is no thank you for doing that to me. That is absolutely not the point. Um, <laughs> and so I would never thank an abuser. But I am grateful for the journey of healing and wholeness and yeah. understanding myself that it led me on. So I'm grateful for what happened after and grateful for what God allowed me to experience after that inside of it. It was terrible. Would never thank him. No. <laughs> okay. But you can um, find the book everywhere. Amazon. Thank you for rejecting me.com. Um, and I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Like you mentioned, please. I don't want any of you either, you know, sending DMS to them, either tell them, thank you for your abuse. No, uh, no. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> All things work together for the good to those who are called to God's children. You know, your call according to God's purpose, he'll work it all out for your good. So you may be in a traumatic situation today, but God is able to bring a testimony tomorrow. So continue trusting him. Um, Kate, you have an awesome podcast or anything else you want to plug? I, I want yeah. you to have the opportunity. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Heart of Dating. We have a podcast. Come on over. We have like a hundred and... 15 episodes or something at this point. So it's so fun over there. Heartofdating.com, Instagram, Heart of Dating. I'm Kateness on Instagram, K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S. So if you go to any of those things, you'll be connected and we have a wildly fun time. So if you're single and if you want to meet other singles, come join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash heart of dating. We have 4,500 men and women in there connecting all the time and sharing in the joys and struggles of dating and meeting. So I'm um, just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. I'm so thankful for Kate taking the time to join us. Um, be sure to subscribe. Her information is going to be inside the description box as well. So subscribe to her podcast, subscribe to her, all of her social medias, um, share this with a friend, anyone who, not someone you've rejected, but someone who may need it, <laughs> you know, yes. let them listen to it. If you want to buy the book, please, if you, if you feel as though it doesn't relate to you, it relates to someone, buy the book, gift it as to a friend, a birthday It's coming around valentine's day around yes. that time frame where a lot of people are so not happy yes. we know a lot of them are not happy because of that season so we're definitely gonna buy this and gift it to someone as well Safa and i will get us a, get us up one but go ahead and rate the podcast if you're on apple um, podcast give it five stars make sure you check out heart of dating give it five stars even before you listen because it's Woo. worth stars um but yeah man we thank you guys continue supporting 
We'll see you next Thursday. And make sure you tell Kate we said hi. Peace.